following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. What a joy to see all of you today. Isn't it an honor to be in the house of God early on Sunday morning? All right, let me ask you now, how many of you set your clocks up about 2 o'clock yesterday? How many set them up before you went to bed? How many, how many of you let technology do it? Yeah. You know, I, I'm still the worrying kind because I, I, I Google. I, I, I tell my Google lady, okay, Google set the alarm for 6 a.m. And I'm afraid it was going to be 7 this morning, 6 by the old time. And so I woke up very early and I beat her up today even with the new time at 5 o'clock by the old time. Patty says I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a prisoner of time and I really am. But I, I woke up. But I, I was just, yesterday I was just kind of experimenting with Google. You know, Google can tell you anything, just about anything. You can ask it, you know, kids ask up to 73 questions a day, uh, stats say. And so a lot of parents are saying, go ask Google. <laughs> you know, Google can answer the questions. And so yesterday I said, Google, can you sing? And she sang for me. <laughs> go ask your Google if she can sing. And every time you ask her that, she'll sing you something different. She sang to me, I am your advisor, la, 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 la. <laughs> so I've got an advisor that can sing to me. I think that's pretty cool. I know y'all are thinking I'm kind of goofy talking about that, but I'm trying to wake you up at 8 o'clock in the morning, all right? It's 8.30. It's earlier than you could ever imagine. I love you very much. Thanks for last Sunday. We're so honored that you honored us, and uh, it was not a necessary thing, but... You did it so well. The, the staff just absolutely outdid themselves. 3,110 people heard the gospel last week. I thought that was pretty cool for CLC. Amen. We're delighted. We're delighted. Now, there'll be less today that hear the gospel unless we got folks rolling over in their bed right now and turning us on. But the bottom line is that Jesus Christ has blessed Christian life, Austin, mightily. And we're so delighted that we're a part of what is happening here, and you're a part of what's happening here. And uh, it's an honor, it's an honor, it's an honor. Now, next Saturday at 1 o'clock, many of you remember Wynn Wilkinson, Brother Keith's father, Bradley's grandfather. His wife and sweet daughter are here today. Sister Cleo and Brenda are in the house today. We're going to honor him in a service here next Saturday at 1, 8, 1 p.m., and if you, are, you're, you remember him or you'd like to come and pay tribute and honor to the Wilkinson family, please make that happen on your schedule. One o'clock next Saturday. That would be what? The, uh, this day the 8th, that'd be the 14th. So next Saturday the 14th, please be here for that. Would you stand? You're an honorable people and I love you very much. Uh, a speech teacher was asked by a young man what it would take to become a good preacher. And she said, fill your mouth with marbles. And practice speaking. Take a marble out of your mouth one by one. And when you lose all your marbles, you'll be a good preacher. <laughs> now since I made fun of preachers, let me talk about saints. I love the story of Fred and Martha who were driving home from church. Martha said, Fred, did you notice the pastor's sermon was a little weak today? Fred said, no, not really, Martha. She said, well, did you hear that the praise and worship singers were a little flat on that second song? He said, no, I didn't. She said, well, you certainly must have noticed that the young couple, their children right, to, right in front of us with all the noise and commotion made during the whole service. And he said, 
Honey, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't catch that. And finally, in disgust, Martha said, Honestly, Fred, I don't know why I even go to church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak today, I'm going to talk, I'm going to speak today on a standalone concept, an idea that I just, I just want to talk to you about. And it's born out of three funerals that I have done the last two weekends, two last weekend and one yesterday. And the one yesterday broke my heart. It just broke my heart. It finally, it broke me down to a point where I didn't know if I was going to be able to continue and finish the funeral yesterday. And that's not like me, but at the same time, I want to I let you in on a secret. Let me tell you a secret. I want to preach today. Let me tell you a secret. And I think this secret needs to be screamed across this, this platform and needs to be hollered across this audience. And the, and the secret is this. It's a secret. And I'm going to tell you about it. So turn to somebody beside you and say, I'm going to hear the secret today. Thank you. You may be seated. You're wonderful people. If I get my tongue in front of my eye teeth and can't see what I'm saying, please excuse me. It is early today. There was a time-honored story that comes from the French Revolution. King Louis XVI and his queen were condemned to die. They were sentenced to the guillotine in the public square in Paris where they were executed. But the mob was not satisfied. Bring out the prince, they cried. He's next. He was only six years old, but he was next in line to be king, and he was he was terrified. In the mind of the crowd, he had to be eliminated because the mob said he had to die. And the young prince stood on the platform trembling in his black velvet coat and the mob screamed at him, down with royalty, eliminate royalty, kill the prince. And suddenly a shout came from the crowd, don't kill him, do not kill him, killing is too good for him. It will only send him to heaven and that's too good for royalty. I say turn him over to Meg, the witch. She'll teach him to be a sinner, and when he dies, his soul will go to hell. Royalty deserves hell, not heaven. So according to the legend, that is exactly what happened. The vile woman tried to teach this young prince foul language, but every time she prompted the prince to be profane, he would stubbornly stomp his feet and clench his fist and shout, I will not say that. I will not speak that way. I was born a king, and I will not speak like I live in a gutter. And the story is probably apocryphal, but it speaks to our lesson from the epistle today. Galatians chapter 3, Paul writes, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, say amen to that, amen. have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. Male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Say, I'm an heir. So do you know who you are today? You are a child of God. Nothing else in this world matters. Are you male? Irrelevant. Are you female? Doesn't matter. You slave or free? Were you raised bad or good? You know, good gives you some advantage in our society, but it means nothing when you stand before God. What is your social background? That also comes with certain advantages. 
It eliminates most excuses for not doing well. That's not how one gets inside the kingdom gates, though. Only one way. Jesus Christ died for your sins. I think he needs an applause today because he died for us. And because of that, he has accepted us as a part of the family. And that's all that matters. Because of his amazing grace, you and I are children of God today. You are who you are only because Jesus paid a price for you. And I know we're entering into the Easter season, the cross season, the nails, the thorns, the whip, the denials. But I believe with everything in my heart that Calvary paid the price for all of us. And if it was not for the cross of Calvary, we would not be here singing our hearts out today. We would not be here worshiping today. We would not be here preaching today. Jesus paid a price for us. And it's horrible when a person believes that his or her life does not count. You know, we see it all the time. The teenager who feels he or she doesn't fit in. The adult loner who keeps sabotaging his or her relationships. The older person who wonders if it wouldn't be better for everyone if he or she just went ahead and died. There are many, many people in this world who don't think their lives matter in the great order of life. And it's sad. And the saddest of all, some of these people are in this building right now. That's what the saddest part of all. Leslie Weatherit was an air raid warden during the awful days of the London Blitz back in the early 1940s. And when it all clear sounded, it was his job to go and survey the damage of the bombs that the Germans had dropped on London in particular. And one night there had been particularly a heavy bombing and when he went back to the surface, all he could see was smoldering ruins. And as he walked, he suddenly heard the voice of a child crying. He saw a little boy about eight years old sitting and sobbing on what had been a building and somehow the child had gotten lost trying to get to the air raid shelter. And whether it went up to the little lad and said, where do you live, son? Where is home? And the child pointed to a street and it was rubble. And whether it said, where are your parents? Where's your mom? Where's your dad? And the little boy said, my father is in the Navy and he's overseas and my mother was killed two nights ago. And whether it asked, where's the rest of your family? And the child shook his head and said, they're all gone. All have been killed. And at that point, Leslie Weatheridge stooped over and got eye level with a little eight-year-old boy and said, tell me, son, tell me, who are you? What he was asking for was, what is your name? And the little boy began to cry even more convulsively, and then he said through his tears, Mr., I ain't nobody's nothing. I ain't nobody's nothing. And Leslie Weatheridge said if he lived to be a 100, he didn't think he'd ever forget that sight and that night of a little boy sitting in the midst of chaos, feeling unconnected, unimportant to anybody else in the world. Dr. Claypool, Dr. John Claypool writes that that condition is a terrible denial of one of the constituent needs of our human nature. He said we need to feel and be loved. We need to feel cared for. We need to know that what happens to us makes a difference to someone else. You know, my parents taught me when I was growing up that sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. You know what? 
My dad and mom were wrong. I love them. They're dead and gone, but they were wrong. It should read this way. Sticks and stones do break your bones, but words can take your, their toll. For sticks and stones will make you moan, but words will stain your soul. I want to preach about negative words today. I want to preach about labels today. I want to talk about derogatory names that hurt today. They're meant to put us in our place and label us and set us apart from the group. They can damage us deep down in our soul and in our spirit. The pastor went to visit a new family in the community one day. He took a new church and the dad of the family introduced his children like this. This is Pete. He's the clumsy one of the lot. This is Kathy coming in with mud on her shoes. She's the sloppy one. And as always, Mike is last. He'll be late for his own funeral, I promise. What a glorious way. What a great job, Dad, of labeling your kids, each one of them with faults and mistakes. You know, those tapes will play over and over in their head and their heart and soul. I tell a story here, and I've told it many times. I'm going to share it again this morning of a pastor that saw a shepherd up on a hillside in Colorado and got out of his car and walked up the hill and said, Sir, I need to ask you about your flock. And he said, Well, you must be a pastor. He said, I am. He said, I want to ask you, how many do you have, sheep do you have in your flock? He said, we have 225 today. We had some lambs born last night. And, and he said, well, how do you call them? And he said, well, they all have names. He said, there's Billy and there's Pete and there's Charlie and there's Lucy. <laughs> he just started calling them. He said, well, call one. He said, come here, Charlie. And Charlie came here and nuzzled him. He said, now get out of here. And he said, well... They all look alike to me. How do you recognize them? He said, oh, that's, that's real easy. He said, I, I recognize them by their infirmities. He said, you see that right there? He's got a little weird eye. His little eye kind of, he's got a little fair eye. It looks the other direction. He said, see that one there? He's got a little club foot. He said, see that one there? His little tail's not quite right. He said, you see that one? He's got his wool lost between his ears because he fights all the time. And he said, you telling me that you know them by their infirmities? And the shepherd said, yeah, I know them by their infirmities, but I call them by their name. Can I tell you something? I want to go on record. I have some infirmities in my life. I have some issues in my life. I have some things that I'm not proud of in my life. And I pastor a church that has some infirmities. But I'm talking about a great shepherd of this church that doesn't look at your infirmities. He may know you by that, but he calls you by your name. Somebody clap your hands and say, I'm glad he knows who I am. Galatians 4, Paul writes, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his father, of his son to our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then an heir through God. Can I tell you the secret in God's kingdom? There are no second class citizens. Would somebody help me preach right now? Turn to your neighbor and say it. You're not a nobody. You are a somebody. Come on, say it to them. If you're not afraid of the coronavirus, give them a backhand also. Oh, I want to preach this today. I want to preach this today. I want to preach this today. 
I want to share this today because there were times in my life that I didn't feel capable of doing the work of God that I'm doing right now. And I didn't have people walking up to me and telling me how good I was and how wonderful I was and how much God loved me. But I had to figure it out. But I'm gonna share with you today, God loves you. He loves you. Can I say that upgraded always trumps rejected? You have been upgraded. You've been upgraded. There was a woman in the Bible that touched the hem of his garment one day. And when she touched him, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, somebody touch me. And one of them said, Lord, it could have been anybody. Because this big old crowd, he said, no, no, no. No, somebody touched me because I felt virtue leave me. Can I tell you something? That's the first time in 12 years that anybody had ever called her a somebody. When she came into the crowd, she was a nobody. And to the disciples, she was just anybody. But to Jesus, she was a somebody. I know. I know that I'm more excited about this than you are, but you're going to understand in a reason in a little while why I'm preaching to you today. Because I feel so, so needful that I preach this today. Because I know there's people coming in here that the world thinks you are nobody. And there's some disciples in churches that think you're just anybody. But the Jesus I'm preaching about today said you are somebody. And I know you have infirmities. And I know you have heartaches. And I know you feel rejected in some worlds. But in God's kingdom, you matter. You are somebody. I love this story. I love this story. There was an interesting news story some time back about describing an incident that took place in northeastern Italy. <laughs> it's funny. A rich man was driving his luxury car into the parking lot, and as he did so, the parking lot attendant motioned to a spot he wanted the man to park and supposed to pull into, but the rich man in the nice car ignored the attendant pull to the, his space that he wanted instead. So the two of them got in an argument. The attendant tried to explain to the rich man why he was not allowed to park in the place that he did. It was reserved for people that worked in a particular building. And eventually the wealthy man ended the conversation by sneering at the parking lot attendant and saying, you're a nobody. <laughs> you're a nobody. And so the attendant sued him. <laughs> he sued him. He sued him for libel. You opened your mouth, you shouldn't have opened it. I'm going to take you to court. Now, I know a lot of people take people to court for more than that and less than that, but he sued him. And when the judge ruled, he ruled in the nobody's favor because he said nobody is not only impolite under Italian law, it's also illegal to call somebody a nobody. Oh, I wish I had that parking lot attendant here right now. I could shake his hand. Let me tell you, when you go to a restaurant and a little waitress comes up and helps you, she's not a nobody. When you walk into a store and get waited on by somebody, they're not a nobody. When you go downtown and you see people walk in the street that doesn't have what you have, they're not a nobody. Listen to me, I'm here to declare to you, they may be anybody, but they're not a nobody. 
but God says they are somebody by the cross. And I want you to walk out of here today believing that you are more than a nobody. You're not an anybody, but you are a somebody. Take the devil to court and sue him. And say, I am who I am by the grace of God. The judge, the judge fined the rich man 300 euros plus 500 euros for court cost. I love it. ABC News science editor Michael Gillen tells about being a part of a famous experiment in a corporation. Former news anchor, ABC's late Peter Jennings that passed. The subject of the study was racial prejudice. In one of the segments, they did an experiment featuring a school teacher and a large group of students. And the teacher began by dividing the kids into two camps. They had the blue eyes or the blueies and the brown eyes. And she proceeded to explain that the blueies tend to be slower, clumsier, and not quite as sharp as the brownies, the brown-eyed. I'm glad I got brown eyes in that study there. <laughs> but to reinforce a lesson, every time a blue-eyed kid made the slightest mistake, mustered the light of all the brown eyes, the teacher said something disparaging like, what else do you expect from a bluey? Amazingly, after just a few minutes of this, most of the blue-eyed kids were thoroughly cowed. Some were even in tears. If you don't think such things happen in the real world, you're very naive. Most people have been beaten down by the world. But here's what the much-respected writer Henry Nouwen says about this. The world tells you many lies about who you are. And you simply have to be realistic enough to remind yourself of this. Tell yourself, these feelings, strong as they may be, are not telling me the truth about myself. Here is the truth. I am the chosen child of God. I'm precious in God's eyes. I'm called the beloved for all eternity and held safe in the everlasting embrace. Can you say it? I am the chosen child of God. You need to speak it. I'm precious in God's sight. I'm called the beloved from all eternity and held safe in an everlasting embrace. I am somebody. I know it's 8 o'clock in the morning, but you folks aren't receiving this like I'm preaching this. I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're clapping right now. And some of you need to hear it because you've been battled and bedraggled and teared down and tore up over the fact that the world, the boss, the job, the people that you meet make you feel like that you're incomplete because you're a Christian. Let me tell you something. You're not incomplete. You're a complete person. You're a whole person. You're a tremendous entity in God. Come on, you're somebody in God. That's the secret that I'm telling you today. I read about a, a letter carrier. I love to tell stories, especially when you're sleepy. West Virginia, for over 30 years, her name was Rosemarie Hart. And for the first seven years, she said she, uh, she had one goal today to get the right letter to the right box and get over with as soon as possible. She wanted to get her job done, get home. Then something happened to her. One day she was praying. She had a spiritual experience. And God spoke to her that you're not a, a letter deliverer, you're a hope dispenser. 
You matter more than what you carry. You carry more than you think you do. She said, from then on, I looked at my route in a different way. For the first time, I really began to see people along the route and listen to them and hear what they had to say. Oh, I knew them by name and I knew some of their stories. But now, she said, I heard about domestic abuse in a particular house and great joy in another house because of a birth. And I heard celebration here because of an impending wedding and grief there because of a death. She said, I stopped to talk with kids who were sitting outside the steps in 10 degree weather because they had forgotten their keys. Mom and dad were at work. She remembered a house of a couple, an older couple down the street that said, if any kids ever need a place to go for just a little while, we can take them here. We're grandparents and we'll take care of the kids till the parents get home. So she knew it was safe to tell them they could go where they'd get out of the weather and wait for their mom and dad. And Rosemarie began treating everyone along the mail route as though they were her brothers and sisters in the Lord. And they, whether they were Christian or not, she treated them that way. And you know what the route people started calling her? The breath of fresh air. <laughs> Can I tell you something? You don't need to lock your salvation up in these four walls. You need to take the joy of the journey out there to people on your job, whatever you're doing in life. People need to understand that you care about them being a human being and not just a statistic or a number or just somebody out there. You need to let them know that God cares about them. You need to be involved in the fact that they're hurting right now. You need to be involved in the fact that somebody's getting married and you can rejoice with them because everybody needs somebody to tell them that they matter in life. Soul winning. Soul winning one-on-one is not going knocking on the door and saying, here's a track and running. Soul winning is taking your spirit of Christ to the world and sitting down across the table with a root beer and a sandwich and looking at somebody and saying, man, you all right? Everything good? Everything cool? Well, you know, I've been struggling a little bit. Well, let me tell you a little story about my struggle. Let me tell you a little story about my situation. And before you know it, you got that person lifted up and you think he's levitating because he's just rising up out of that booth. I'm telling you, everybody needs to hear the story of the glory of Jesus Christ in their life. Everybody needs to hear that story. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I got to quit. I read about a pastor who made a visit to a planetarium. And what he discovered there was that you and I were literally made out of stardust. Oh, this is going to blow you over. Our wonderful human bodies are made of matter that once was a star. He learned that at a planetarium. I like science when they tell us that. He goes on to say perhaps on a scientific level, that isn't terribly exciting, but on a metaphoric level, it's mind-blowing. The metaphor is your stardust. You know, we have the Genesis story of Adam being created from earth, and we have the scientific story of humanity being created from the stars. 
Then he reminds us of the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46 through 48. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is, man is from heaven. And as the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we were born the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. You're smart enough, you get it, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, Adam was made from the dust, but we were made in his image. We were made of the heavenly image. We're stardust. If somebody just walks up and starts telling you you're a nobody, say, no, 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 I don't think so, baby. I'm stardust. I've got a king of kings in my life and a lord of lords that I love. And I want to preach to you this today because you need to hear it. So why, why, Pastor? Why today? Why now? Because I want everybody to know you're somebody, but I've been doing a lot of funerals lately. I, uh, I just got in a season of funerals. You know, I had to I had to look in the in the word and see there was like three million Israelites that came out of the out of Egypt and they all died before they got to the promised land. So Moses did about 240 funerals on average a day for 40 years. And I thought, you know, three and two weeks isn't bad. We had other people that passed, and you know, we had other people do their funerals, and so there was about five funerals that's happened to people in our church. And I, I just got to say this to you, and I, I, I'm going to say it without trying to be emotional. But I, when, I, when I did Inez Guerrero's funeral, he has five kids, and four of them attend this church, and his wife and he were faithful members. That was Friday a week ago. Then Saturday I, I spoke at Pat Patterson. I eulogized Pat Patterson, who came every Sunday like clockwork, he was always here. You could always see him out there at the information desk filling out his tithing envelope. He paid tithe every Sunday. Pat loved the church. And then yesterday, I buried Frank Guzman. Frank Guzman was a respiratory therapist. And uh, he helped people to breathe from babies to adults. He, for 30 years at Seton, he was a respiratory therapist. And he died because he lost his breath. This don't really make sense, does it? COPD, yeah, he had been a smoker. God changed his life and he dropped the cigarettes and was born again and he lived for God. And his kids may be here today. And, but yesterday at the end of that service, I, I broke down and I, it messed me up. And here's why it messed me up. Because I, I wondered, I wondered, even though I love people a ton, I wondered if those guys really felt that they mattered. I had an examination. I had a, I had a final exam on three funerals that I did. And then next Saturday is one of my favorite people of all times, Wynn Wilkinson. But I just wondered if, if those people knew that I loved them as much as I did love them. 
I don't know what else I could have done, but you ask yourself that because did they die knowing that somebody cared? Did they die knowing that their church mattered? Did they die knowing that somebody here made them feel like that they mattered in life? And I will tell you this without any reservation, that's not just the pastor's job. That's just not my calling, that's all of our callings. That's why we have life groups, that's why we have people that touch people because we want everybody in this house to know that you matter, that you do matter, that God does care for every one of us here today, that God does love every one of us here today. And he, he loves us so much that He'd go to the cross for just one of us. That's what Paul said in Galatians 2 and 20, He died for me. He died for me. So I, want, I, I, just, I just want you to know something today. You may have ill feelings in your heart toward the church or ill feelings in your heart toward somebody in the church or even toward the pastor, but I want you to know something today that you're loved here. And you're not just a nobody here. You're not just an anybody here. You're a somebody here. And I want you to walk out of here today knowing. You know, I'd go see Brother Frank and Randy, if you'll help me. Good to have you home, Randy. I'd go see Brother Frank and and we'd talk about one of four things. We'd talk about God. We'd talk about church, family, or the Dallas Cowboys. He loved Dallas. And he always usually had a jersey on. And he was struggling with breath. He's on an oxygen tank. And, but he always had a, a joy in his life. And, and I always left there knowing that he thought I was the best preacher on the planet. But did I leave there making him believe he is one of the best saints on the planet? Did I leave there the same that he gave to me? And so today on this day, I know I can't get to all of you because Corona. <laughs> but I want everybody in this house to know something. You're more than a nobody. You're more than an anybody. You really are a somebody. You really are. You're stardust. You're stardust. You're stardust. Would you stand to your feet? You've been a most beautiful audience today. Not having mom and dad in ministry and I wasn't considered a blue blood. So ministry was very difficult. But I'll never forget the turning point in my life. When a big guy in Lake Charles, Louisiana, put his arm around me one day and said, Son, you have it. Go do it. And I believe if William Refrigerator Perry had got in front of me, or oh, the big old wrestler, Mark, what's his name? From, Mark, from UT, Mark. Mark Henry. He's in front of me, I'd run right over both of them. Because Merle Ewan told me, go do it. You have it. Then I want you on this second Sunday of March, I want you to walk out of this church saying, I got it. I've got it. I matter. I am somebody. 
and Jesus loves me, then I'm going to make a difference in my route. I'm going to change society where I live. I'm going to change the atmosphere of where I work because I got it. I got a hold of it. Now I'm going to bless you. And all you that want an extra blessing when we get through, I'll pray for you. You can come down front. We'll bless you. I want you to lift your hands all over the house. Everybody say, Pastor. We're entering through the resurrection season. The cross of Calvary. The burial of Jesus Christ. The resurrection. And the ascension. And I want to be a part of that. I don't want to go into this season feeling down about my life, down about myself, down about others' thoughts of me. I want to go in it saying, I am a child of God. Amen. 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 Dear Father, bless this audience right now. Save us, God. Protect us. I put a hedge around this church in Jesus' name. Amen. God not only put a hedge around Job, Job put a hedge around himself. And that hedge was his confidence that God would take care of him. And God, I put a hedge and place a hedge around this church that people are going to be well. There was not one sick one that came out of Egypt. And God, we're going to go through this whole dilemma that's affecting our whole world. And we're going to walk through it in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to be whole people and well people and able people. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, bless this congregation and bring us back on Wednesday night for the eighth installment of Solomon's Secrets. We're going to study them until we finish them. And bless this audience in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen.